Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Pixar's Luca and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Pixar correspondent Joe Morgan who I hope is not here to do murders. Joe, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? Yes, no 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 murders will be done on this podcast. <laughs> there's some funny there's some funny turns of phrase in this movie. Uh Luca tells the story of Luca, who is a sea creature voiced by Jacob Tremblay, who in the 1950s or 1960s lives off the coast of a fictitious Italian town known as Portoroso, while he is a creature or a monster, as they're kind of referred to throughout the movie. But I don't know. Monster feels a little pejorative, Joe. So I'm just going to say sea creature. Uh, yeah. for, I, I might interchangeably say that sometimes. I feel like I'm being mean if I say sea monster. Yeah. Uh, but uh, while, while he is a sea creature, his species also becomes human when they are not in the water. His parents, who are voiced by Maya Rudolph, when was the last time Joe and I talked about a Maya Rudolph voicing the mom in an animated movie? It feels like it's been <laughs> uh, like two days since we did that. Uh, right. His parents are voiced by Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan, and they warn him against going to the surface. Uh, but one day he gets pulled up there by another young sea creature named Alberto. Alberto has been living on an island. Um, he tells Luca it's because uh, he, he really has a lot of fun there, and his dad lets him roam and do whatever he wants. Uh, they they play a lot. They uh, Alberto uh, has dreams of owning a Vespa someday, and Luca is also infatuated by that idea. But his parents get mad at him when they find out he has been hanging out on the surface, and they try and make him go live with his uncle, who uh, is uh, is just a, like a hilarious uh, one-off character voiced by Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, he's, he runs away from home uh, at, the, at the prospect of that and goes and he and Alberto then decide they're going to go and flee to Puerto Rosa where they meet a young girl named Julia as well as who, who lives there with her fisherman father every year, every summer and always competes in what is called the Puerto Rosa Cup, a, an Italian triathlon uh, that consists of uh, swimming, biking and of course eating pasta. And uh, they want to win that competition to be able to get the money to buy their own Vespa and go see the world. Uh, that competition is usually won by uh, a town bully uh, whose name is Ercole. That, that's basically, honestly, it's kind of it's kind of funny that I just kind of said that because the setup is kind of half the movie, Joe. But like, I think in yeah. some respect or in some uh, examples of something like that, I think that would be a bad thing. But I, I don't I don't think that's the case here. But I kind of want to just like kind of give the setup, but it does almost take you halfway through the movie. Uh, and it's about how uh, Luca and Alberto adapt to this life and what the possibilities they begin to see in it. And while they're, you know, they, they have their kind of goal they're also working towards at the same time. Uh, Joe, I think one thing a lot of people have talked about with this movie is that it just, it, it, in a way, even though I think it's really inventive in its own way, it's also, you know, very different in scope from a Pixar movie that we just saw, talked about in, uh, in Soul back in December. And that, like, I, it's, it's also high concept, but it doesn't necessarily, like deal with something like as amorphous as the soul uh it just uh has its own thing it wants to do and it feels smaller in scope despite being as fantastical in its own way and i think that's really interesting to think about because it seems like it had very different aims from maybe other pixar movies we've talked about in the last few years so i'm curious uh what did you think about luca yeah so i really enjoyed this movie and i really wish i could have seen it in a theater it's like um i think i tweeted about it when i first saw it that it's a movie that like reminded me like what summer used to feel like as a kid like you have like these adventures with your friends and you have these like lofty if (laughs) unrealistic like life goals like the the idea of getting the vespa like you know it wasn't time time doesn't matter as much yeah exactly and you really just kind of while away it's sort of i mean like i felt like it was really like very like sand body and like you know um, movies like that where it's just like kids of summer and they have your aspirations and you're 
fears and things like that. So like, I thought it was a really enjoyable time, you know, and, um, has, you know, has a very like nice message of, you know, I, you know, inclusion and stuff too. And like how, you know, uh, others aren't as different as they seem. Yeah. I should so, also, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I should, I should, I should have added when I was setting up this town of Puerto Rosa, just, uh, sea monsters to them are kind of like the Loch Ness monsters in that they none of them people ever really actually get a good look at them but they all are afraid of them and want to kill them so that mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I should have mentioned that and that's kind of where uh, J- Joe making the point about inclusion kind of comes in but I'm I, I'm really actually intrigued that you mentioned the Sandlot uh and I, I it's not something I thought about as I watched it but I think it's a pretty smart point of reference because I actually rewatched the Sandlot uh, less than a year ago for the first time and uh, quite some time. I, I think I think as I wanted to listen to the rewatchables episode on it, and I thought I'd like to oh I'd like to refresh myself on that. And the one thing that overwhelmed me about watching the Sandlot was how personal it felt. And mm-hmm. uh, I should have mentioned when we first started talking about this, this movie is directed by Enrico Casarosa, who is a who I didn't realize he's he's from Italy, he's from Genoa, Italy, and I didn't realize though until I like kind of went back and looked at his Wikipedia that he'd kind of been in the Pixar family for a while as a story artist. So, uh, but he's an Italian mm-hmm. guy and he had a, a story credit on Luca, which is also written by uh, Jesse Andrews and Mike Jones. And man, it feels like a for for an animated movie about sea creatures, it somehow manages to feel pretty personal at the same time, which I I, I mean, I'm assuming is something you you can respect as someone that wants to tell animated stories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we really got uh, his experience. It feels like it feels like we got his shot, like, you know, he found the relatable thing in his life and then like created the fantastical world with it. Not um, very similar to like what Dan Scanlon did, but like onward, you know, telling the story of him and his brother, but just in a world overrun by elves and stuff. Like I think Pixar um, as a studio does a good job of really um, taking that small human experience and then like putting it in like, a fantastical realm, if you will. But um, yeah, no, I found this very enjoyable and very small too. I mean, like even something like Mitchell's versus the machines, which we both really enjoyed, like, you know, we've seen this sort of like superheroization of like all blockbusters now where like the stakes are always like the end of the world. And like, (laughs) if we don't do this thing, then everybody's going to die. And then like with this, it's just like the stakes are smaller, you know, it's like, it's like all in this little Italian coastal town. And, you know, like the stakes are like the friendship between the two, uh, between uh, Luca and Alberto and, you know, and Julia to an extent, you know, it's, it, it's a refreshingly small movie, but that doesn't make it like a, an inadequate or less important story here in my view. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Yeah. Obviously the stakes in that the whole world, are, uh, the whole world is not at risk, but like our characters are like in, imminent danger almost in like ways that like living yeah. beings aren't in some Pixar movies and that, you know, not that you, you go to a Pixar movie, you know, you, you know, the main character is not going to take a, not going to take a trident through the chest or mm-hmm. a, or a spear or whatever, whatever the weapons are that, that are being uh, kind of, that are just easily readily available in this town. Uh, just a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of yeah. these, sh- these sharp, massive weapons just lying around for anyone to grab whenever they see a monster they want to kill. Uh, but uh, you kind of know that's not going to happen, but at the same time, like, uh, for a movie that, again, under an hour and a half long, uh, it it certainly, like, finds the time to, like, yeah, just kind of luxuriate in this setting. But at the same time, I think I think it wraps up pretty quickly, and I want to talk about that because I think there are, like, are, there actually there are some positives in that. But it, it does find the time to, like, give you, like, a bit of a thrill ride at some point and put the people in danger. But at the same time, while still being, like, a like an 84-minute movie – it feels like it can like take its time to just like explore this friendship. And first and foremost, I think it is a movie about friendship more than anything else. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like while talking about like the stakes and world of this, like it has like a sort of spiritual kinship with Ratatouille even, you know, like that you have a like a white, a bright eyed, bushy tailed protagonist who has a dream of a world that's been told it's dangerous his whole life. And he sort of maybe has like an unrealistic goal or idea or vision of his future. And he's going to fight like recklessly to get that future anyway. And um, yeah. And in a way like Luca and Remy both get some sort of version of what they hope for. So um, yeah, like definitely like, you know, that's not like Ratatouille is one of the greatest movies ever made hot take, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like I wouldn't say Luca's like on par with something like that, but I do think there's definitely like this, sort of uh you know they share more than just the studio that made them so yeah definitely i mean so i i guess uh, it's funny i mean i i, I said at the beginning how i, I kind of talked my way halfway through the movie but the fact is i did kind of talk past that because i wanted to like give a setup normal what i normally do but again i think we agree it's a, it's, a, it's a good movie about friendship it's a good movie about tolerance what did you think about the bones of the story and it, it doesn't spend a lot of time setting up that underwater world, but that's not really where it needs to be spending its time anyway. So how did you feel it did in establishing what, what Luca's life has been and, and, and then just jumping right into what it could be? How, how efficient did you think it was and how impressive did you think it was to, that it was able to kind of give you a good idea of like what he had been through and really kind of jumped into his story with Alberto? Like what, what, did, what did you just kind of think as you were watching this story unfold? Um, I think what they do is effective, but I do, I do feel like there was, there could have been more there, there, like there could have been a little bit more meat on the setup. Like this is one of the, like the underrated things about all those Disney classics is that they're musicals. So like when you set up Belle's life and Beauty and the Beast, like there's a six minute song about her and how she fits into the town. And it's like this humongous achievement of setup, you know, <laughs> and they do it all in six minutes and with witty lyrics and stuff. And, um, I saw this movie described as like, the Little Mermaid, but without music. And I think that was really spot on. I, I, I'm sorry, I forget who said that. Like, I read it somewhere online. But yeah, and like, you know, I mean, this movie didn't set out to outwardly be musical, but I feel like, you know, you can't help but compare it, especially if you're someone who watches these types of movies. So um, like, I think there was like, you know, enough set up with the world. Like, like you mentioned before, we get like Uncle Ugo and we figure out like what life is and the really deep and you know, Luca and his family seem to be some part of some sort of agrarian society, like in the middle depth of the ocean there. And um, yeah, like I thought it was effective for what it was because it did, it ultimately didn't come to a head in the sense of like, you know, I think it was more like the conflict in the movie was more about like humans being afraid of sea creatures than actually like, say, something like Little Mermaid, where there was actually like a power struggle for the kingdom underwater. So like, you know, a bit of, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also glad they didn't spend too much time underwater because... Yeah at some point it might almost feel too much like finding Nemo Yeah, uh, where it's like, that's something we've already seen Pixar do both visually and storytelling wise, where it's like someone gets separated from their parents under the sea or something like that. And I, and I think I, I don't, I don't even, I might've watched like the teaser trailer for Luca at some point, but I think I avoided learning a lot about it for the most part. Like, I don't even know if I, I don't even think, you know, if you watch the trailer, you you'll get the gist of it. But I think I actually fortunately went in knowing very little. I didn't know even the, the I, I didn't even know about the like the, the transformation these people were going through. I think I I think I maybe knew at some point and I'd kind of forgotten. So it was kind of like a pleasant surprise. It was like I've seen Pixar do the underwater thing. Uh, let me see them do something different. And this is the what the 24th feature of Pixar movie. There's uh, there's just not a lot that I feel like for them. I mean, 
there's not a lot of obvious places for them to go. They're the best at what they do because they they can think of ideas I haven't thought of yet. But they hadn't really ever depicted a time like this. And I think it's funny that I'm going to harp on this a little bit because that was the thing I harped on in Seoul was that like I liked seeing New York more than I like seeing anything else. And yeah. he, he, and and here it's like I got to see the 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 people that the the people that are like the best at what they do in creating the animation of Pixar uh, depict a portside Italian or a, a seaside Italian town, which is just like very cool for me. I'm like, okay, cool. I got what I needed to know in the water. Now, like, here we are. I should. I, I don't know if I noted before. Alberto is voiced by Jack Dylan Grazer, who is a, a, another uh, very promising young actor. You might know him from the It movies or Shazam. It felt very confident as soon as he came on the screen and as soon as Alberto came on the screen. I mean, obviously, that's a confident character or at least a, guy, a character that's projecting an air of confidence. But I felt like they just understood, like, I, I watched it again last night and I really liked that he had to te- I mean, it, they didn't harp on it for too long. But I was like, oh, it's kind of it was very charming just watching him teach Luca how to walk. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't think you would have thought twice if he just, like, walked as soon as he got out of the water, right? You know, you probably would have just yeah. accepted it at face value and, like, and, and and just kept it moving and not really blame the movie if they didn't, like, harp on that. Like, you know, like, there's far more important things in that movie. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, really funny the way this guy is taking him in and the movie's even thinking to stop here. And I was like, it tells me that they, like, fully have this concept figure it out and i like really appreciated just watching like a moment that small that's maybe only like 45 seconds in the movie but was just like oh like that's a really cool detail that they got right i know i'm good hands yeah no i mean it was he was benny the jet benny the jet rodriguez you know oh, shit, like, you're right god damn it i should have i should have picked up on that as soon as you said sandlot and it's funny to me like one thing I really enjoy about this, and I should have said this at the head, is that this movie is very rooted in the kids' POV, like a lot like Sandlot is. And, like, it's very funny. Like, you know, Alberto is like, you know, Alberto, like Benny the Jet, is like this kid character. And he's a kid like all the other ones. But he's like this authority figure where he has all this knowledge. But then, like, as an audience member, you're able to see the full context. And you're like, oh, like, he doesn't actually know everything that's going on, you know? So that, I mean, and that just lends itself to it, too. You know, it's like those the scenes where they're testing out their homemade Vespas and like, he's like, Oh, like, you know, the turtle's holding the ramp. It's going to be fine. And you're just like, you're like, Oh my God. You know? so, yeah. God, um, I, I, I wish I made that point myself. That's a good one. Cause you know, we talked about that with soul a little bit. Like we we're like, who is this for kids at all? You know, I, I, I just, I couldn't under, I couldn't really wrap my head around exactly what a kid was going to love about that movie, except for like, you know, maybe getting a kick out of the cat making funny faces or something like that. And, mm-hmm. You could even maybe say that about a couple other movies that maybe are a little more balanced in that regard. But hell, in some ways, like I feel like like the last two Toy Story movies or uh, maybe even in some ways like The Incredibles 2 are almost like more aimed at just as much aimed at adults in some ways with like the way they tell their story. And even if the POV is not from an exact adult except for Soul, uh, you know, it just felt like, hey, it's dealing with like life issues and uh, themes that like – are gonna are you could argue are aimed as much as adult as much at adults as they are with kids and this like was like firmly like a kid issue movie that I was very moved by as an adult you know yeah certainly and like you know you can see it like it's the the family struggle at play here is the same as the one in Coco into in a sense you know it's like there's a thing the kid dreams of and wants to do and he doesn't know the full truth of it. And then you have the parents or I guess in Coco is the grandmother who um, really want to protect the kid. And Coco definitely has more of a 
you know, kids and adults. Like the the Coco, the tenor of the Coco discussions, like in that movie, are much more mature than this one. But like, you know, you know, it, you know, it's still like, you know, both you and I like got something out of this as well. So like, you know, it's it's one of those things I always, I feel like I always say on here is like, you know, don't underestimate kids. Like they 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 can be with it. They they can understand these heavy things. It's just a matter of the presentation. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that being said, I cannot remember the last time watching an animated movie where I felt as gutted as I did in the moment where Luca sells out Alberto. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I think I, I think I think <laughs> it was horrible. And I I was like, man, I respect that they went there. And yeah. that's something that's gonna like I feel like cut to the core of anyone of any age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mean, it's you know I feel like sometimes like you know especially in the past like you know these sorts of movies kind of have to nibble around the edges of like the intensity of something like that and in this one you know i i couldn't help it you know i mean and this may be this may be a transition to a different conversation but it was almost like he was outing alberto you know i mean that's that's what i saw you know as like the parallel there and i was just like i i think i gasped when i watched it happen um because yeah it just felt like such a betrayal and such you know yeah, it was horrible. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if my head. I, I, I totally get that emotion now thinking mm-hmm. about it. Though that and I, that wasn't even necessarily on my mind as I was watching it. But like, I think there's a lot of ways you can read this movie, which I think is what makes it so impressive. In that, like, it's aimed towards kids, but you can read a lot of stuff into it at the same time, and kids might appreciate it on certain levels because, heck, it, it's a movie about like you know acceptance and tolerance to some extent in a way that I think a kid can understand and to tell to be able to pull that off while telling it from a kid's point of view I think is uh just a a really good a a job well done by them is that something as you're watching it you're thinking wow like I'm uh this is entertaining me on like several different levels like when it starts hitting you like that like oh could, could this somehow also be a story about uh just uh tolerance of homosexuality or uh, just uh, a larger anti-bigotry message that they're getting across to kids here. How did you take that overall, whether it be in the moment where uh, Luca out slash sells out Alberto or on the whole, seeing how these townspeople ultimately came to accept the sea creatures? Yeah, it's one of those things where usually like when I, I acknowledge not everybody watches stuff this way, but usually when I watch something, I usually I I pretty easily buy into the contract between filmmaker and viewer where like I'm I, I like unless the movie is just absolutely awful like I give benefit of the doubt and I watch and the other thing too is I usually take things at base value while I'm watching them so like throughout that like other than like some of the obvious things I really wasn't watching it as that sort of type of story I was just kind of taking it at base value like oh sea monsters yada yada and then like as I thought about it in the days after my brain began to like kind of unspool and like kind of go through that stuff and you know, I think especially like you look at the Walt Disney Company strategy, I guess, of the last decade and like um, more. It, it just seems like they've been trying to get like these token appreciations of like of underrepresented groups, uh, specifically, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, of like, oh, like we have like a gay moment in the Beauty and the Beast movie and like, oh, we have like an LGBTQ character in Corella, you know? And like, this is, you know, this is like the way they told this story. And as I thought about this movie and like really, you know, picked this story apart in my head and thought of it. Mm-hmm. And like, this felt much more representative of the experience than any 
one of those moments. And like, I really appreciated it for that, you know, cause like, you know, it just, it almost feels like, you know, in the past, like Disney's approach to this as like a, like, Oh, we're, I'm going to, we're going to check this box. And like, right, we're, because, yeah. yeah, because I don't blame them. Well, I don't want to say I don't blame them because they ever, they obviously should strive to have great representation, but I don't think I had the expectation of them making like a whole movie centered around like a queer romance because Pixar doesn't really make relationship romance movies, you know? Right. So it's like, it, 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 that's not, that's not what they're doing anyway. But like, uh, so it's like, you could have like one second, like, what is it going to mean to like have a, a queer character in the lead? If like, it's just like the focus of the story is not going to be at all about their relationship, you know, which I mean, I think is a good thing to strive for in movies, but like, it'd be weird to like pat themselves on the back for that. And then just, kind of ignore it you know yeah. uh so, so so it's like i i kind of like appreciate it where it's like okay well we can i mean i, I maybe like i don't know how much that you want to say they're pulling back what else this movie could have been if they weren't worried about alienating some portion of the audience but uh you know who knows maybe they could like not be as i don't know uh subtle or reliant inference or uh just people reading something into the message of the movie but at the same time hell it might be more effective to like have a movie like this that uh kids can connect with that might you know uh on the whole just teach them a really good lesson that they can apply to a lot of different things hopefully yeah and like i'm glad that the movie went to the places where you know we had those thoughts go through our heads at least you know and watching it and evaluating because the other thing too is like pixar is a studio that's built on the buddy comedy like you have woody and buzz mike and soli like Marlon and Dory, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, the guys, the, 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 well, I said, I said that wasn't the guys, but, like, the, our, our two main characters in Ratatouille, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, Linguini and Remy, yeah. So, um, yeah, and so, like, and I've never really seen, and, and, like, you know, part of that's, like, with the times and stuff, too. So, like, to see, like, Pixar do the classic buddy thing and then, like, also, like, you know, stretch their muscles a bit to, like, um, for, for lack of a better word, um, to you know, actually try to depict, like, some of the emotions surrounded, of, you know, what, you know, homosexuality, uh, what those relationships might look like in the context of a society that fears that thing, then, like, um, yeah, like, I, you know, as I thought about it, I was just, um, I don't know, I came away impressed, and I hope it can help uh, kids who see it. Yeah, um, I guess more specifically on that point in that part of the story, how did you think, again, I praise the movie for getting in and out and accomplishing it as much as it does in like an hour and 24 minutes. But, uh, uh I, I just rewatched like the last like 35 minutes of the movie before we started recording. And from the moment where he, uh, he sells out Alberto, it actually like the movie like is over like 25 minutes after that. Like they, they mm -hmm. kind of make up, they make up two scenes later. And then, uh, and I think it's a really great moment where Alberto comes back for at the race. And I was like really into that. And it was a great moment where Luca's like, screw it. I'm going to go help my friend. Uh, but they end up like in, in doing so they reveal themselves to the townspeople who have been established, you know, are really scared of the unknown and what these, what these creatures are. And at the end of the race, there's not even like a huge, uh, there's not like a huge to do about it. Everyone just kind of is like, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, these things are harmless. And it's like, and it's just like a, a very like quick, like three minute thing where, uh, Julia's dad, uh, shoot, what's his name? Can't believe I'm forgetting it already. Um, oh, uh, Massimo. Yeah. Oh. Oh, right. It's it, it, wait. His name is. Oh, his name is Massimo. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Gotcha. So, 
uh, yeah, so so there's like this quick there's this quick moment where Massimo's like, oh, that's Luca and Alberto. I like them. When we've like known him to be like a, been told he's a stone cold like hunter of sea monsters up until that point. So I'm watching. That, I'm like, well, maybe there should have been like more of a reckoning with like how we got here and like why they're okay with this. But at the same time, I was like. I don't know if I really like need them to do that either. You know, like how do you reconcile those two things where it's like uh, maybe like in on the one hand, it could feel rushed, but at the other hand, I feel like the movie got its message across anyway. It just felt like these people who we've been told the whole time were like, uh, you know, basically bigots towards sea monsters are very cool with them within like three minutes of them being revealed to have been in their midst the whole time. Or is that kind of the point where it's like, oh, well, all it takes is sometimes for you to meet someone that's different than you. Yeah, that like that last thing you said is really what I came to. Like, I almost like wonder if they made a conscious choice to not make a meal of it, just to kind of you know drill home that how simple it is to you know like drop or like you know people if you're taught fear something for long enough, like you just literally need to go out and actually meet people who are different than you to uh, realize that all that stuff is bullshit, you know, and that people are people, and like you know you should respect and treat them with you know kindness you know regardless of um you know their whatever aspects of their identity um yeah, people so, I, know, I know i know people who like let's just say politically became way more enlightened when they moved somewhere outside of like the two hour radius of the particular corner of the country where i'm from and right. I, I, I bet i bet you can relate to that in a few different examples in your own life as well uh given mm-hmm. we're, that we're from similar parts of the country and it, sometimes it really just it really just is that simple so I was like, okay, I can kind of, I, I don't have a problem with this. I was just like the same time, like, oh, that happened really fast. Like I, I, because the, the credits of this movie are like 16 minutes long. So I, I thought there was going to be like another like 10 minutes where we had to like hash it all out. And then that wasn't the case. Yeah. And like, especially like, and not to make this podcast a love letter to Ratatouille, which again is one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> um, but like, it's, they, they do a beautiful job of actually unraveling like the real world consequences of like actually peace, like making a meal of that sort of reveal thing, you know, like when they shut down the restaurant and the food. What if there was a rat in your kitchen? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where, um, and this speaks to a larger point about the movie. I am in love with the simplicity of this movie. Like as a writer, I was almost jealous of how simplified the stakes were in a lot of ways. You know, it's just like, all right, they have to win this cup. And there's three clear stages of the cup. Like if they get wet, they turn into sea monsters. If they're dry, you know, and it just felt so um, – and then, like, you know, the hating sea monsters thing is very primal. It's like a monster, life-or-death creature sort of, you know, fear. So, like, everything about this movie was – it feels like – and this may have been just something they discovered along the way as opposed to intentionally done. But the stakes and the rules just seem so simple that it really allows you to explore the characters in such a short run time that um, I found it um, pretty satisfying and – feel good at the end there yeah so. these things can like work on multiple levels in that like you know as i've said before when we talked about these i put inside out like in my top three or four pixar movies easily uh but again and i i did not like soul as much as i wanted to and those but like again i guess they're both pete doctor things and they're about like you know our emotions or our uh our soul and fairly like nebulous concepts here it's like again it's still like a very uh like high concept thing but like it just like goes about its business in like a very different way and i appreciated it and that felt like something different and you know it's like all right it's simple but like we're gonna have like a fantastical premise at the same time which i think is a cool combination of things uh which i mean i guess it's not unique either like you know toy story like it's like talking toys but maybe it's not as it's not that convoluted either but i was just like that's cool and also like visually i felt like they were doing something like 
really new, not just in depicting the seaside, but like, you know, uh, or not just in depicting a seaside town, but like, I, I, I don't know all the technical know-how that goes into like how they do their thing. But like, I know like sometimes people like dwell in certain Pixar movies, maybe on like the hair of a character or I don't know, the clothing or something, but like to have to uh, constantly be making different parts of the character's bodies blue when a drop of water gets on them, that can't be yeah. easy, right? Uh, right? And it was cool watching them like actually have to like, that, I mean, that, that it's, it's, it's like a different visual flourish that they're having to make, but it also like serves a really, really important purpose in the story that they're trying not to get found out. And it keeps happening for one reason or another. That's not like that crazily unrealistic like if these guys are walking every day you're gonna get wet sometimes when you walk around even if you don't mean to uh you're right. not necessarily gonna have adults throwing you into fountains which i thought was a funny touch uh <laughs> when, when they got to that point in the movie it's like wow this is like really something different where like just like every now like these people just walking about their day are gonna like hey turn a different color and then have to like freak out and there are a lot of fun visual moments where they had to like hide and i was yeah. like that that felt like its own unique kind of like constant threat to have hanging over the movie which i guess is also kind of different for pixar it's like yes the stakes aren't the same like we already talked about where the world's not at risk but like in a way like i'd say these characters at least they they might not actually be in peril as we come to find out at the end these folks are often accepted but like i don't know there's another pixar movie where at the same time our protagonist is like kind of like having to walk on the balls of his feet for almost the entire runtime in a way (laughs) right right yeah just again like the so like being able to use like the animation medium to its fullest, like to like for storytelling reasons, like it's just really just like, you know, the lifeblood of especially that early Pixar run, you know, just like being able to like fully take advantage of the technology. And like, um, yeah, that was just a lot of fun. It was really cool. And like it's one of those things you wouldn't expect, like you said, you know, that like you're, you're not necessarily expecting to get doused like in everyday life on, on the surface. But then, you know, I mean. Italian seaside town. There you go. So <laughs> you, me- you mentioned before we started recording that, like, you I mean, you didn't have time to go back and watch the whole thing, which everyone is totally understandable. Joe just became a father like a week ago. So uh, I don't blame him for not watching the whole movie again. But he pointed out that he one of the things you went back to watch again was the first scene where Massimo got introduced. Did you have any feelings about that corner of the movie and that character specifically? Uh, yeah, you know, I like from a comedic standpoint, I really enjoyed him as well as his cat named Machiavelli <laughs> with the Ron Swanson mustache. Uh, just outstanding comedy. But I really just like, you know, I think even though that scene is like sort of like a scare point, you know, where he's like chopping the heads off the fish and he has all the harpoons in the wall. I think it just at the same time, it works as like how welcoming you can be to new people, like even like in the, co- you know, in the context of whatever it's like, Julia's like, Hey dad, I brought friends home. And suddenly he's like serving them plates of food, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things where like they're playing at the danger there, but also like thematically speaking, it sort of foreshadows what we get through in the end where it's just like, you know, like I'm going to take these people in because, you know, they seem like decent kids and you know, that's all there is to it. So yeah, I liked how that character just like subverted all the expectations you were going to yeah. have for them after, after that first scene, uh, which was, uh, which was just a lot of fun and just how in that first scene, you wouldn't really think he's going to become what he becomes. And he becomes someone that like Alberto can see like uh, really having, or just really has a connection with. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, like I said, first and foremost, it's a movie about friendship though. So it, it's also a movie about a lot of other things, but uh, you know, th- th- that is such a gutting moment where he, he calls him out, but like uh, it's also, it's an example of how like, look, friends can have like they can have conflicts but like 
you know, they, they can ultimately come back together and just you're going to find your own ways in life and come to peace with that. And, you know, it's like the, you know, heck, it's like not really no reason to have this as a reference point. But like, you know, uh, the end of Superbad, where they just go off on their own separate ways or something like that. Uh, friend, like, especially guys, like they can like have an angry fight and then just kind of be like, whatever. Uh, but like they can come together and like uh, co- find their own ways and come to peace with that. And I think it, it was kind of cool that like you actually did kind of buy the connection that uh, Alberto had with Massimo and you would just like would not have necessarily seen that coming with how you're conditioned to like maybe think about a character that gets that introduction. And all of a sudden he's like kind of like plays a major role in like these two characters finding their own paths. Whereas he could have he, he could have easily been a funny one off character at the same time. So I mean right. it, it, it it was kind of funny in that like especially once I like found out about like the arm, it was just like, man, this guy just seems like a badass and he's just gonna be bitter about everything. And it just wasn't the case. So I thought that was like a cool yeah. way of uh, just uh, making you think one thing and actually like turning it into something much smarter. Um, Absolutely. Is there anything else about it that we didn't touch on yet, Joe, that you wanted to discuss? Uh, the movie specifically, no. Um, I just thought it was sweet and simple and um, yeah. yeah I like if, for some, you, if some reason, if for some reason you like haven't watched it yet or haven't watched it with your kids yet, like just do it. You'll be you'll be happy you did. Yeah, I'll just echo one other thing that we I think we talked about before we signed on and we didn't draw on too much yet i would just say i'm 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 very regretful i didn't get to see this in a movie theater during a hot summer day same <laughs> uh, i mean like i i oh i in fact i watched it on a plane i mean i guess i could have like pulled it up <laughs> on disney plus but like it like it came out like two days before i uh I, I left my trip i made to los angeles recently and i was like i had a five-hour flight am i not gonna watch the pixar movie i just have sitting there on my ipad so i watched it on an ipad on a plane which I mean, which is like even worse than like what most the way most people would have had to experience it. But like again, I still really like the movie. But it's just man, I I'm not gonna spend like oh like a, ten minutes just like uh, trying to like be critical of Disney for anything like that. I'll just say selfishly, I think it would have been a really cool movie to experience on a big screen, even more so than like a lot of animated movies that come out these days because it just had a visual palette that like I thought was like very uh, a very unique and something I hadn't seen before in a movie like this. And it was a palette that I think just like jibes with the vibes of summer. And that would have been a very nice thing to have when you're living in a hot tropical climate like I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then like, you know, I couldn't help but think of like, uh, the movie Cinema Paradiso too, where it's like the whole like wonderment of like the Italian kid going into the theater every day. And just the fact that like, we have this sweet little movie about Italian kids and like, it's mm-hmm. not even going to be in a movie theater. Just what this, what the Cinema Paradiso folks might be saying about that. But yeah, I mean, I wish I could have seen it in the theater. I think it was only playing at the El Capitan in Hollywood and uh, trying to get down there with your uh, wife who is nine months pregnant and has her due date any day was just not a feasible thing. So we ended up watching that one at home. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, you said nothing else about the movie. Did you have any other, were there any other final big picture thoughts you were trying to work in there about how this movie fits in with Pixar's filmography? I know like I, I you might, you probably stay in the loop a little more on like what Pixar has coming out. So I'm, I'm curious if you just, uh, um, had any other, had anything else you want to share about like how this kind of fits with like where they're going or anything like that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I did be, I was able to sort of read about some of the discourse surrounding the movie and like um, I think a lot of people like a lot of criticism of it was just sort of like, oh, like, you know, this isn't very good or like this isn't like one of their great films and stuff and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And like, what's happened to Pick? I think the AV Club had a thing. Like, what what's wrong with Pixar? Like, what's I, happened? I, I I missed some of this discourse actually, which is interesting because I thought Soul was pretty well received last year, even if like I wasn't as high on it as I wanted to be. Yeah, so I think a lot of the issue is with like the like the recent slate. So like, I have two points to this. The first is like the recent slate from Pixar has been incredible. Six years ago, you got Inside Out, which might be the best thing they've ever made, and I will fist fight you in the street if you disagree. <laughs> um, that goes to everybody, not just Josh. Like then you have Coco, which some people like like moved people to tears. Like I think some people will say that that last scene where he's singing "You Remember Me" might be the most impactful thing that they've ever seen Pixar do. Right? You have a movie well, like Soul. You, you just skipped over like the good dinosaur finding Dory in Cars Three, and I'm pretty sure you probably love Finding Dory. I didn't love that that as much, and like. It's so I kind of would have under and people were like very derisive about Cars Three. It's like I feel like that that would have like made more sense as like this would have made more sense as a discussion after that point, even if like you might subjectively like those movies more, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, Sorry, you can continue though. Yes, sure. And 2019, Toy Story Four was way better than any business being following Toy Story Three, and it was also a really touching like uh, story about empty nesting and something that really applies to parents who you know, maybe their kids watch the old Toy Story movies and are not at home anymore. And then you have Soul, which, you know, Josh and I didn't love, but received pretty universal acclaim. One Oscar? Um, yeah. And now you have this movie. And, and, like, also, like, Onward, too. I felt like Onward was more, one of the more underrated movies of 2020. So, like, you know, I think people are just, I think people like, probably I think people probably just forgot about Onward and, like, it came out on March 6th. Like, there, he had other right. things going on in March 6th of 2020. So it's like, I think people are just, like, kind of letting it slip their mind that, like, oh, that's a solid movie, you know? And people probably just, like, weren't even thinking about it. Yeah, so if you take the context of all those, like, originals I mentioned, right? Like, I think the big thing when Disney overtook Pixar, or purchased, acquired, whatever word you want to use, Pixar, people were like, oh, no, like, we're only getting sequels. We're not going to get any of the originals anymore. And, like, that, that is a fine run of movies. Like, I know Incredibles 2 has its fans. I'm not crazy about it, but, like, it has a lot of cool stuff in it. And then, like, you mentioned Finding Dory, Good Dinosaur, etc. Like, this is a good run of movies. Like, I don't know what people, like, you know, I'm not going to name any other studios because I'm not going to be rude. But, like, that, as far as what is being put in the marketplace animation-wise, like, what Pixar has done since 2015 has been pretty phenomenal, like, comparatively. So that's my first point. So, like, I don't really think they're in a slump. And then this leads into my second point, which is it is absolutely unrealistic as a viewer to expect toys uh, to Pixar to replicate their opening run. It is impossible. Like you're looking at a, a run that includes Monsters Incorporated, which is vastly underrated. Joe, you know, Joe just go, Joe, Joe, just go write a toy story. Go, go write the next toy story. It's not that hard, man. You can do it. Come on. <laughs> You you have Finding Nemo, which is a perfect movie. You have The Incredibles, which is the greatest superhero movie of all time, and people beat down the doors of cinema, like trying to get a sequel of that movie for close to fifteen like years. Half, yeah. yeah, you. I mean, Cars is fine. Then you have Ratatouille, which is one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, again, with that, you have Wall-E, which is fantastic. Up, which is incredible. Toy Story three, which made half the country cry. So like, you're not gonna be able to replicate that run. You just can't. Do it. It cannot be done. And the people who sit here who say that Pixar slumping or Pixar isn't what it used to be or all this stuff, like, of course it's not. Okay. Like Steven Spielberg, like had a run at the beginning of his career when he made like all these incredible movies. And guess what? He's not going to match that again. It's just impossible. Okay. Like even Martin Scorsese, who's still making great movies, isn't going to match his previous highs. 
and is just realistic. And not it's with just that like, attitude, you're not. <laughs> like, you know, and the thing is, is like Pixar may get to that level again because they're bringing in other filmmakers and, and they're promoting some people from within. So there's a, still a chance they could hit that high. But like, to it's completely disingenuous and frankly, like borderline uneducated to assert that they've made nothing worth watching in the last six years. Like, you when know, you set a high, people, when you when you set when you set a high standard, people are just gonna. I mean, it's unfair to yeah, you, I guess. Yeah, it's just like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just it's one of these things where like it's lazy. It's just really lazy, and there's already a perception out there that like animated movies are only for children, and like you know, critics slum it in the animated world when they like go to review a Pixar movie, and just suddenly because it's not Finding Nemo, which again is a perfect movie. Finding Nemo is a perfect movie, like. You know, if I were interested in that wrote and directed Finding Nemo, I would just retire. I would just be like, I'm done. And said <laughs> he went, except he went on and made Wally after that. So like my whole point being is the A V club and all these people just need to chill out. Just calm down. Okay? Like Sony and Cartoon Saloon and Pixar are like like in terms of like mainstream like Western animation are like just churning out like very good content. It was, it was, it was Cartoon Saloon that did Wolf Walker, right? Wolf Walkers, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I second everything Joe said. I mean, uh, um, I mean, I, I think I'd missed some of that discourse. I haven't read the AV Club in like eight years. Like at one point, they redesigned their website and made it like impossible to navigate. And I was like, deuces! Mm-hmm. I got plenty of other places I can read. Um, but like, I think I'd missed some of this discourse. So I'm, uh, I, I, I'm very appreciative of you for uh, bringing this fiery passion, Joe. And you are one week in having a being a father, and probably like are, are just like on your last legs, about to pass out as soon as we sign off. So I, I appreciate you bringing like all the fiery emotion, nonetheless. And you're always going to have the unreasonables. Like people are like, here's the thing. Like Spielberg is remaking West Side Story, which is one of the most iconic movies ever. He's gonna remake it. He's probably gonna do it very well because people he's are gonna be mad film. that it's not. That people are gonna be mad at it regardless. Yeah, they're gonna be like, "This isn't as good as the original West Side Story. This isn't E.T. This isn't Jaws. Like this sucks." And it's like, it probably is not gonna suck. It's probably gonna be very good. And that's, you know, it just he's not gonna make Jaws again. Okay, like everybody just needs to just take a chill pill and like evaluate art for what it is. Okay. You can't, you can't contextualize a movie. Like, I mean, I mean in the franchise sense, sure. Like if you want to compare toy story four to toy story two, et cetera, like go nuts. But like, you know, you can't just sit here and say like, Oh, like Pixar sucks now because like, they're not making Finding Nemo every year. It's completely unrealistic. Like just calm down. Says the man who has been ranting on a podcast for the last five minutes. <laughs> All right. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you really feel, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I feel bad now. I cut you off like when you had a minute left in the rant. I didn't know you were going to keep going. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought you were done. Uh, <laughs> I, it was funny. Like Joe texted me earlier. He's like, "Hey, man, like I got some stuff to say about Pixar. I just don't want you to think it came out of nowhere." And like I wasn't sure if like the you you, you gave some like larger kind of point earlier about like how some of the storytelling in this and compared to Pixar, I didn't know if that was your point. So like, I was like, man, I hope like Joe got to say what he wanted to say in case he didn't. I'll like set him up here though. I think he might just look at me like I'm like silly for like asking the, if he have anything to say again, after I asked him for final thoughts. And then I was like, Oh no, I'm glad I let Joe talk. I, I he, he hadn't said yet what he came to say. And now he has. So everyone, uh, quit being so, uh, quit being so close minded about Pixar. They're doing a good job still. So and one, one addendum, one addendum. Yeah. 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 If you don't, if you don't like Luca, that's fine. Like, I'm not mad at you. Like, 
if you don't like this movie, why are you still listening? But also like, <laughs> uh, like that's fine. That's your opinion. But like, don't just sit here. And like, if you don't like, I mean, we, I didn't like, I didn't like soul. I didn't like it. And guess what? Like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that like the studio sucks now. Like, you know, like it's one of these things where it's like, just, you gotta, you gotta evaluate these things on an individual basis, especially because most of the filmmakers who were there at the start aren't even there anymore. So anyway. Right. right. And like, and just look at what else is out there, you know, like, like Joe said, like Sony and Cartoon Saloon are doing good things, but it's like, their batting average isn't any really higher than Pixar. It's just people have this like standard from Pixar because they've made so many perfect movies and you can't expect anyone to make perfect movies all the time. If it was that easy, I wouldn't be a lawyer. I'd be making movies, you know, right. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that's basically, that's, that's basically it. Uh, so yeah, but uh, all that being said uh, with all, all that controversy, I think Joe and I both came out on thinking that uh, Luca is very good. And I think it's very impressive that it accomplishes everything it wants to and feels pretty unique the fact that we are uh nearly what 25 movies into pixar's run and something this fresh can come out is something that i find very uh i find very uh impressive and and glad this movie exists uh and just a point for context yes. the 25th the 25th movie from walt disney animation studios was the black cauldron which was a huge critical failure that nearly bankrupted and closed the studio so like comparatively speaking you know, Pixar is off to like just an outrageous start for a studio with that kind of longevity. And again, everyone just like chill out. All right. There we go. Uh, (laughs) Because Joe just became a father a week ago, I'm not sure if you have anything else you want to plug as we normally do for other things you might be watching, but I'll, I'll give you the floor to either do that or plug your social media or something like that. Yeah. You know, um, if for some reason you haven't watched hacks yet, I highly recommend it. Uh, Gene smart is brilliant and and it's just a really funny show. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, also I recently signed up for a DVD Netflix, which still exists. Um, you're not even a streamer of subscriber anymore, right? Yeah. I I paused the streamer. I paused the streamer for a bit, but like, you know, if you you became a dad, but we didn't know you were a 60 year old dad using (laughs) to send movies back and forth. I'm, I'm leaning into the dadness, but like if you have, if you have a Blu-ray player and you feel a bit overwhelmed by um, like sort of the, the volume of the streaming catalog and, and like it's only $10 a month, like you can literally just go on there and like curate what they're going to send you and everything. And um, yeah, like I found it to be really easy and sort of refreshing and it's like, oh, it's nice to look forward to something coming in the mail. You know, that's pretty cool. Do you know if they keep like their massive physical warehouse of DVDs somewhere like near los angeles so it's like easier for you to do it than it would be for someone that's like on the other side of the country or do you, do you have any idea how the operation actually no there's there's actually like a i know there's an article about that somewhere i think it came out like five years ago when i was like oh cool netflix is still doing the dvds i didn't know they were still doing that until joe told me he was doing it right. like you can actually figure i'm not going to make you explain that because you might not even know but there actually are stories out there like from like five years ago about how yeah you know Netflix still makes like $50 million a year off of this DVD thing. And they, they turn a profit on it because it doesn't cost them that much to do it. Cause they already have all the DVDs. So it's, um, it's sort of like the room of requirement in Harry Potter. where just like, it's just stacks of DVDs and like <laughs> this dark, dusty like room or whatever. And if you like, you stumble and you like find like, you know, I don't know, the expanded works of like Robert Rodriguez or something. I don't know. I had a very uh, busy weekend last weekend. Uh, as I was hosting a guest and our friend Daniel and I was, uh, buying new devices so i did not watch anything except uh i have not watched a movie or a show that i haven't already plugged on the podcast in the last two weeks besides uh f9 which uh we will be talking <laughs> about 
some point on the podcast in the next week or two, depending on when I can uh, wrangle our guest for that one. And what I will say about it is you should definitely see it. I'm not going to tell you it's on the level of maybe the last three or four Fast movies, but it doesn't forget to be fun, which uh, is the most important thing. So I would highly recommend doing that. Go see it in the theater if you were vaccinated. So uh, that's about it. Uh, Joe, uh, you want to plug any social media or anything like that? Uh, if people want to watch you have a meltdown about the Braves every other night? Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter, melting down about the Braves uh, at Joe underscore Morgan. Yeah, it's Braves tweets and then I guess the occasional baby photo, which, you know, always makes people happy. I think so. <laughs> there was a very cute baby that I got to unofficially meet before we started recording. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was delightful. I'm as usual. I'm Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I on both Twitter and letterbox uh, podcast. Twitter is at the rewind movie pod podcast. Email is the rewind movie pod at gmail.com. You can send us any feedback or suggestions there coming up next. Like I said, it might be F nine, maybe Zola. Uh, and then after that, well, black widow, I guess the week after, So uh, everyone stay tuned for all that. Thanks again to Joe for joining us and we'll see you next time.